Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. The day today is the 31st of December, year of our Lord, 2020. It's New Year's Eve. Matthew, happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve. Happy last episode of 2020. Oh my gosh, you got to try. Matthew is sick right now. I didn't he, think it was going to come out like that. I um, I wasn't going to mention <laughs> this, but since the elephant, you know what, it's, it's out there. Um, this is, as Matthew put it is his flu game he's battling a sinus infection right now he like threw up in his mouth about two minutes before we started recording conversely i am bleeding profusely and i can't stop um i popped a zit in it this is is, we're off to a really gross start um but matthew we made it this is the final episode um of 2020 for the motown rundown i also got the date right the year right um this week which is great credit to you so there hasn't really been that much. There's not really that much to talk about. I refuse to talk about the Lions game. Who cares? I, we're not going to talk about that. What I did see, though, that interested me, and you may have looked into it a little bit more than I did, is that if Robert Sala leaves, wherever that is, um, but for all intents and purposes, it sounds like it could be Detroit, he's bringing at least three defensive backs with him. Now, my question to you is, does that mean um, who I think it means? That being Richard Sherman? Yeah, that being Richard Sherman, sure. From what I understand, yes. Well, what's his From contract? What I, I think he's a free agent. Oh, I'll look it up while we're doing well, this. But that's I believe interesting. That, I believe that he would be a free agent. Um, and I think like at this point, um, he will legitimately just go wherever Mosala goes. No, not Mosala. That's a soccer player. Robert Mosala. Not even close. I just want to throw um, out there: you actually sound better than you did with your than your first few sentences. So th- you're actually trying now, which is great. No, that's what I said. Like I, I was drinking my Zevia. Shout out to Zevia, and it's just no because I ads. didn't get to like recover that it just came out awful. You like? I do. <laughs> like I feel, I feel fine because I think I'm on like the last day of being really sick. Uh, but yeah. We'll move on from that. Um, I pulled up his contract, and uh, in uh, 2021, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, so it sounds like, like I said, wherever, I was going to say Mo Salah again, wherever Robert Salah goes, uh, Richard Sherman will likely follow. Even if Richard Sherman isn't what he once was, I'd still like to have Richard Sherman. And I, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I would like to think he would be uh, some sort of upgrade from Desmond Trufant. And even then, I think that Desmond Trufant was just in a really not great situation where well, he was, he was hurt probably the whole putting, time. He, I mean, he was hurt the whole time. And I think we're probably playing in a scheme that literally no defensive player in the NFL is familiar with and can succeed in. So that's going to be kind of a detriment to literally anybody. Um, yeah, I don't know who the other two were, though. It's still exciting to know that people are going to be that loyal to Robert Sala. Yeah, uh, that they it says a lot about him, too. Yeah, and then... Uh, Speaking to that even more, what came out today is, I think it's a bigger deal because this is more certain, whereas this is more hypothetical. Uh, It does sound like Marvin Jones is 
way more keen on testing the free agent market this year uh, and likely leaving. He said he's not going to count any scenario out. Uh, so it's not like a guarantee that he's gone, uh, but he was just kind of candid talking to the media today. Like he's going to look into it. And especially at this point in his career, he knows what he has left in the tank, which is a lot. And he wants to be able to win. He doesn't know if he wants to go through another rebuild, but again, he's not saying like I'm done in Detroit, but when you consider what he actually probably wants and what he can probably get paid in a lot of other places, the chances are he's likely on his way out, which sucks because Marvin was really good to us. Uh, he does a lot of guys in the Lions deserve a chance at winning. Uh, so we'll see. It's it's going to be a very interesting spring. Yeah, the first domino there, I feel like is well. Actually, I don't think it's the first because I think the first two is going to be like coach and GM. But then after that, it's a matter of like once the Stafford thing happens, if it does, that's obviously going to be an indication for Marvin be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm not coming back then. There's nothing for me here. If you guys aren't going to try for the next few years. Um, but if they, I feel like if they keep Stafford, it means that um, maybe they're going to bring some guys in like how they have the last few years that actually kind of make this team on paper look really fun. Cause that was some a problem that I never had with Bob Quinn was like the guy could get interesting names on the team. The true font thing is a great example. We were just talking about it. Um, if Sala comes here, that's obviously, you know, it's going to bring a few more. So I just feel like the Stafford part of this is going to be major, even for a guy like Kenny, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I would tend to think that GM will come first. We're making way more decisions about. Yeah. Personnel. Everything. But... Yeah. Yeah. Personnel is the word I was looking for. Uh, just about everything, though, than I would have ever thought without an actual head coach and without and a GM. Who's doing it? I do think, I do think that Bevel is giving, or he's getting a lot of uh, trust in making these decisions. Sure. And we do have Chris Spielman here now, so we do have to keep in oh, mind that although, yeah, okay. although he is not necessarily going to be the one. Uh, this is a really dumb analogy, but almost like a head coach where you like you might be doing the X's and O's, whereas a GM is going to be like playing chess in a sense. Chris Spielman is more of the guide or the uh, bridge between both of those things. So I think he is really just giving his perspective on things and kind of going like hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge on these decisions. So I guess with um, uh, Jaron Curse, who we just released from the team the other day, uh, that was he started a ton for the Lions this season. He was just solid for us and then uh, in the safety spot. It was, Bevel was... Uh, very particular with his words but it does sound like he broke some team rules it was obviously nothing about like his performance it was just uh what the organization expects from him and bevel said everything matters so he did something off the field that doesn't mesh well with what the team wants to do and what their vision is so that's where they're at i mean i would still like to have them take everything serious and really push toward whatever their vision is not necessarily weight on anything so i trust spielman i don't know that he is the one making these decisions but it does if you're going to be in a situation where you don't have a head coach and you don't have a gm it is at least reassuring that we do have someone like chris spielman who is likely kind of leading the charge in these decisions yeah dwayne haskins talk about a guy who also broke some team rules um i i listen i i just kind of want the lions to be in a position as do most 
where I care beyond week seven. Yeah. Outside of the Thanksgiving game. Um, and, and even saying seven out loud, it, uh, sometimes that feels like a stretch. Because I stopped this year. I stopped caring way before week seven. I Literally just watched, week one. It was yeah. as soon as we I mean, moved against the Bears. I think the majority of the fan base was like, I am not doing this this year. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, sure. But in most years, at least, that's just kind of what the constant has been. Um, and I, you know, I watch for A, this show, and for B, it, it, because of Stafford. You know, and even even against um, I I I can't even remember who. We, oh, Tampa Bay. Well, actually, one of the reasons that well, not one of the reason I did not watch that game was because um, I was actually driving home because Matthew and I were together for the holidays, and yep. I was driving back home to Chicago. That game was on uh, while I was driving home, so it turns out I didn't need to see it. But um, I think part of the planning I, and you driving home at that time was like I don't really care to watch this game. No, actually, it was because I needed to get home in time for the Pistons, um, and it just so happened that the Lions were playing during that time. So it was my like, point was like you could have left sooner. Like in theory, if yeah, you actually cared about watching the sure. Lions, you could have left sooner. But yeah, I, I get it. Sure. I was giving you a hard time. Um, maybe if we were in like a playoff position, yeah, you're actually probably right. I would have been like, six o'clock. I got to get up. I got to leave. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I just don't care. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I got to ask you about this though. I saw a few tweets today. Am I missing something? Is PJ Fleck in the mix? It's come to Detroit. That yeah, breaking news to me. I don't. I don't want him. Okay, just, great. Just stick around in Minnesota. I saw that. You're doing well. I don't think that you're not capable of it. I just the leap no, from. I, I saw a few tweets and I was like, "What?" The leap from college to the NFL, and even vice versa. Like if you're going to go from the NFL to college, if you're going to jump around uh, with different levels like that. There are very few coaches who can pull that off. You think about someone like Pete Carroll, who is probably the most that for the, of all the names that come to mind for me, he is the most successful at both levels. You think of someone like Billy Donovan in the NBA. Say what you will about him in the NBA, but to make a jump like that, you got to give him some credit to have the success that he did in Oklahoma City. Well, he made the playoffs twice. He was better than I think a lot of other people would be, though. Because it's a yeah, very I didn't different think he was going to be good at all. And then honestly, you got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh. Like, say what you will about Jim Harbaugh. Yes, that's good. That's that's a good yeah, one too. Yeah. Say what you will about Jim Harbaugh, but the success that he has, you, he made it to a Super Bowl. That says a lot. In the in the Big Ten at U of M, he hasn't had nearly the success that was expected from him at U of M. But in the grand scheme of things, if you were, he did at Stanford though. Yeah, he had a lot of success at Stanford, and again at U of M. Yeah. Um, the expectations might have been off, but if you just look at his full body of work and what he's accomplished, given the context of things, like literally nobody is going to beat Ohio State like since he got here till the end of time. It doesn't seem like anybody's going to beat Ohio State. So, except except Mark D'Antonio did it a few except times. For Mark D'Antonio, but, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. So, I'm just skeptical of it. Speaking of Urban Meyer in Ohio State, there is some talk about I was going to yeah, bring about him up. coming yeah. to Detroit or to the NFL in general. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it. I think if you're going to do that, obviously it's going to be somebody with, uh, a strong resume under their belt already. Like they're going to have to be proven. You think about someone who literally just, two people that just made the jump, actually Joe Brady made the jump from, uh, the LSU Tigers to the Carolina Panthers as the quarterback's coach. Now he is legitimately looking at a head coaching position in the NFL because he just, people liked him that much. And then 
uh, still with Carolina, Matt Rule made the jump from Baylor to actually even backing up further, went from Temple. And if you know anything about college football, if you know about Temple football, they're kind of like the Northwestern of I don't know, just that area of a different conference where you really just don't want to play Temple. They're not good, but you don't want to play them either. Uh, Matt Rule went from Temple to Baylor. Now he's the head coach in Carolina. Carolina has dealt with all the injuries that they had and they don't have a super strong team. And it's his first year as a head coach so that you weren't expecting much from them, but they were still competitive given the circumstances. So it's, this has nothing to do with me saying that it's impossible for someone to succeed in that position. I am just skeptical of it. And I don't know that we are kind of in the position to test that. If we do it, we need to restart. If we don't do it, then I would like to have a coach that can kind of win now. But we'll see, because it sounds like we want to have a proven head coach and GM combo who can win now, probably with the majority of this current uh, personnel. I have a few things to say. One, just on the topic of um, you know, failed jumps to a professional team, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that's where I just love Izzo. Because at least he has the presence of mind to be like, this might not work in the in the yeah. in the league. I want to stay here. It's not going to work in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> that was that and then was, I was like, I, oh no, because Cleveland. Oof. I forgot that Cleveland was trying to get him for a while, but I thought that was more of a direct. No, he, the dude had to. Yeah, no, I, the, the guy had. Well, hold on, we'll yeah. get there in a second. <laughs> well, because that's where I'm going with this. He literally remember he had a press conference on Big Ten Network. Where he was making, it was like yeah. the decision, but for Tom Izzo. And he was like, I'm staying. And we were like, oh my gosh. Um, something that people just don't remember happening. I think about that a lot. But then I was thinking to myself, well, what, who was the coach that just, oh, that's right. John yep. Beeline. How with Izzo, it was time and time again. Like, ah, maybe I'll do it. Nah, I'm not going to do it. Beeline. The Pistons are like, we, we, what about an interview? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm happy where I'm at. A year later, I, basically on the dot, a year later, Goes to Cleveland, um, doesn't last a full season. He gets fired like a week after the All-Star break. The worst part about it, every player on their team has gotten better. Not marginally, but like, what's the what's the opposite? Definitively? Um, vastly, significantly, synonyms. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are playing the best basketball that they have ever played in their lives, period. Matthew, 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 that was so loud. I'm gonna, I'm um, gonna, I'm gonna beep it out. It's just because I had my AirPods in that you could hear it like crazy. Now people aren't gonna know what you're talking about. Anyways, um, I, like I said the other day, the, the, their game against Detroit might have been the best game they've played as a duo. Period. And it's amazing. Jetty Osman is like actually playing well this year because they're actually using him in the ways that I thought that he should have been used in the first place. The reasons that I think he'd be so much better on a team like Philadelphia or or Milwaukee, which is something I was actually talking about recently, is Jetty going to the Bucks. But, um, yeah, no, with the beeline thing, I mean, man, that just... you want I, I don't think it could have gone worse for anybody. Like, Saban wasn't even that bad. When he went to Miami? Yeah, Saban was not that bad. Well, he was just not successful, sure. There like, wasn't there, like, a Beeline mutiny. was No, that's what I was gonna say. Like Beeline, like there was like a riot to get him out of town. So And for what it's well, I don't want to share that information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't I'm not yeah. gonna share that, but we got a little bit we know something about that. Um 
that's all I got on the Lions, Matthew. What do you got? I have I got something I want to touch on a little bit with the Tigers. Nothing has really changed for me uh, over the past few weeks, like especially oh, uh, since we lost. I'm so sorry. I I forgot that I had two points that I wanted to make. One was the the jumping. Second thing I wanted to say, and this is more of an opinion thing for you. When you talk about bringing in a new coach and a new general manager for the Lions, here's my rationale. What I think they're probably going to try to look at doing is maybe rolling the dice with Stafford on another year. Because I think he has three years left on his contract. I think. Um, That's something you can look up while I'm saying this. Um. Roll the dice with Stafford for another year. But what what your plan is, is to hire a coach like the what, what the Pistons did with Dwayne Casey, where you want to find somebody that can kind of help you win now. But if things really turn south, you have this developmentally minded coach that you have to also navigate a rebuild if need be. So if I'm Detroit, that's kind of what I'm looking at doing. I do not have the 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 knowledge of the the pool of NFL coaches to maybe throw out some names there. I can say that I do not think Urban Meyer is one of those coaches, but does this make sense to you? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't really have anything to add. It's just sure. Would you look up the contract? Yeah. So I, I did look into this the other day uh, and I'm glad that you had me pull it up again because I did forget the majority of it. The simplest way to put it is 2021 is our first year where we have an out with Stafford and his contract. Um, Keep in mind, any year that we drop him ahead of his uh, time to become an unrestricted free agent in 2023, there's going to be a lot of dead cap. And if I remember correctly, it's not listed here, but if I remember correctly, if this is the offseason where we just, we don't trade him, we don't send him somewhere else, we just straight up release him, we will have the most dead cap in the history of the NFL. And that has nothing to do with like him having some outrageous contract necessarily uh, just because we've gone over this several times yes at one point he was the highest paid player in nfl history but i think it was that same exact day that he wasn't at the same time it wasn't that soon but it felt that soon yeah felt that soon at least um so it's more so just about like the duration of this contract like how early we'd be uh, cutting out the way that he's restructured it and everything because we are trying to just give him as much stuff so with however it's structured and everything there is the opportunity for us to just, like I said, cut ties, send him on his merry way, and hopefully just end up in a better situation. If we don't, there is still the opportunity to trade him and have somebody else just take up his contract or have some relief or whatever. Um, otherwise, we got him until 2023. And we can still, like I said, this is the first year where we have that out. We can still move on from him in the seasons that follow by just cutting him. That's not going to happen, but it is an option. Uh, yeah. I got one yes. for you. Really quick, I'm Matthew sorry. Matthew Stafford. And- Before you get to that, speaking of like, a, we, we brought up the 49ers a couple times already. My soft prediction at the very beginning of November was Stafford to San Francisco, just because I really liked uh, the pairing of him and Shanahan. I like the offensive weapons. And the uniform. And the uniform. And there's just a lot to talk about him being out in San Francisco. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did say today, this could obviously just not end up being true, but he did say that he does believe Jimmy G will be their quarterback going forward in, in 2021 specifically. So, like, What do you right. want him to say? But that does mean that that's, that conversation has been had 
behind closed doors. So we'll see. There are plenty. Like there are a lot of opportunities for a lot of teams to mix things up. There are going to be a lot of head coaching vacancies available. I think there are several GM vacancies available. Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be trying to mix things up at the quarterback position. Obviously, we just talked about Dwayne Haskins. If they want to send Matthew Stafford out to Washington, they do actually kind of have some pieces there to be solid, especially with Ron Rivera. That's a coach who you'd like to just play for. So we'll see. This is just, of we've gone over this several times too, of all the years to ever be concerned about the future of the Lions and specifically Matthew Stafford, this is the first time where it is legitimately a thing. Any other time has just been pure speculation. This is the first time where it's like, there's a pretty good chance he's he's gone. I think of Matthew Stafford and the last 10 years of him as our quarterback. I think he has been in a time lock of being the consistent 2018-2019 Blake Griffin. Criminally and perennially perennially underrated really always flirting with something injury wise um, is going to be a guy that people look at and say, get him out. He's too good to be there. But when there is success, it's because of him you can look at me funny. All you want. One of the best analogies I've ever made in my I just life. Don't agree. Making everybody better. If there's any incentive to be in Detroit, it's because of that person. I mean, the last point, Sure, but every all of it. Well, makes the injury sense. thing, like obviously, you think of a year like this where he's literally just a cyborg out on the field. One, he's playing through every yeah. injury possible. Two, he is having a Blake did that. He's got a ton of injuries this year, which, yeah. contrary to popular belief, yes, he is tough as nails, and yes, he has gone through uh, a couple times each year where there's like something lingering. It's the NFL; everybody goes through that. This is the first time in his career where he has been like, like just glass. And even when I say glass, it's not like it's really mattered at all. But the the injury thing I don't agree with. The underrated thing, I think of all the years of all time, this year especially, he's gotten more credit for anything than he's ever gotten credit for. I agree with that. I'm not saying this Matthew Stafford thing, the last 10 Uh, years of Matthew Stafford. Agree to disagree. We can move on. I, there's, it's whatever. Yeah. It's just right. Um, before we get to the Pistons, what's I, I, the MLB offseason always really confuses me, man. I don't get it. When are people going to start doing things? Because people started doing things yesterday. This isn't a Cubs podcast. I got nothing on them. No idea what they're doing. You got a Cy Young finalist. You Darvish is finally like back to, oh my gosh, you Darvish. And they're like, oh, we're going to give him up. Um, also, here's uh, Victor Caratini. And then um, also we're going to trade Wilson Contreras, so we're just not going to have any catchers anymore. I don't understand what's happening with them, but then I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, didn't Al Avila say they were going to spend money? What's going on there? When are people going to start doing things? Because I feel like there's always a few play Like Castellanos, remember last year, was a free agent until like the day before spring training started. Like they go up to the last minute, the 11th hour, and I don't understand it. I don't. When are they, can the Tigers do anything? When, when is the offseason? Uh, they still don't even have like the 2021 season figured out yet. They are possible. Yeah, oh, okay. they are. That's I true. Think actually, last I heard is they're legitimately considering like Memorial Day, pushing it back that far to like the end of May. Yeah, end of May to start May, things up. Right. I don't really yeah. have a problem with that. Uh, 
We'll see what they do. I don't care. Um, uh, to the Alavila thing with spending money, I vaguely remember that. But then I also remember it. Yeah, I, I can. The I voice can is coming back, Matthew. Uh, lock in, lock in. I'm going to have to blow my lock nose in. again if I do. AJ Hinch said something along the lines of. <laughs> <coughs> AJ Hinch said something along the lines of um, I don't know, just the exact opposite in trying to focus on like the the talent we do have and winning with them and not trying to like just churn guys out year and year uh, year in and year out. I don't know. I don't really care. I yeah. I'm excited for the Tigers to be competitive and to at least continue to develop these young weapons who are some have proven themselves a little bit in the sense of just like, hey, I have some potential. And then some guys we haven't even seen yet. So we got a little bit of everything to work with. I trust that AJ Hinch can like turn a franchise around pretty quickly. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, but I agree. Like I'm kind of just as confused about where the MLB is at as everyone else is. But that just kind of seems to be a like par for the course with the MLB. AJ Hans is going to come out. Yeah, we're trying to get Miguel Cabrera back to being the the, uh, yeah. the hitter that he was a few years ago. You know, we want to get him back to that 2013. No, but uh, Matthew is excited. Casey Mize liked one of his tweets. Unprompted. He was like, he didn't tag Casey about- Mize. wasn't about Casey yeah. Mize. It was cool. Casey Mize liked the tweet. That's all I got. I, yeah, it's it's like a, it's a secret thing. Anyways, yeah, there's nothing really else to say. Um, We got a lot of Pistons stuff. Matthew... We are a week in. We are a week into the season. It was difficult to say anything last week because it was like still early. Um, and it still is. Like we've only played four games. Pistons are 0-4. A lot of things to kind of unpack. The biggest thing that people have, like the biggest issue, and this is something I've been I, – I tried warning you. When James was on the show, we tried telling you guys. it was. There's no joke here. The schedule is freaking hard, man. And you just had four winnable games. I'm not mad that, that we're losing. That's the point. But it doesn't do you any good to be um, 5 and 67. It, like, it doesn't. Because two other teams are going to have the same odds as you to get that top pick. Which I have a little... I got something I want to float out there for you. Um, <sighs> well, there's a real chance we're going to start this season like 0-12. Over our next seven or eight, we play Milwaukee three times and Boston twice. I got no reason to, but I feel good about one of those Boston games. Doesn't it feel like we're going to like go to the Garden and we're going to pull one of those off? I don't know what it is that I have in my head. What year, what year is this for Jason Tatum, third or fourth? I have something I want to say about Jason Tatum. This is year four for Jason Tatum. For some reason, weird comparison again. When I think of his rookie year, and I think back to like when Jalen Brown was new, like they had this like really crazy young team. They're still young. I think of you remember when Dak and Zeke were rookies for the Cowboys, and that team went like thirteen and three, and everybody was kind of like, yeah. I don't hate these Cowboys. That's kind of how I felt with the Celtics a few years ago. Not like I was I a fan do. or anything, uh, but there was something to be like, I kind of don't hate these Celtics for whatever reason. As the years have gone on. I've kind of reverted back to like, yeah, I don't like the Celtics. Don't hate them by any means. I just don't like them. I don't, I never think they're good and there's no reason for it. So when it comes to like the pissed, I know. And I like, I cannot justify it. I would never defend that argument. So whenever I see like the Celtics are going to be on primetime TV or the Pistons have them coming up on the schedule, I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll win. 
not worried about it. But then that's not yeah. what happens, and there's I cannot explain it, just, it. That's just where my head goes. So I, I agree have with no you. math to back it up. Yeah, it just feels like we're a trap game. Well, for one of those matchups, here's my thing. Um, actually, well, I'll say the Jason Tatum thing right after this. We play the Bucks back to back. Um, both in Pfizer forum. We have lost what eleven or twelve in a row. One of them, right? One of them, I think. Th- th- those are against the Bucks. I mean, eleven or twelve to the Bucks in a row. We gotta win one of those, you think, right? Some stupid like Giannis and Chris sit. No. You know what I mean? Well, if one of them is a back to back, like. Here's the thing. You want to learn something insane? I meant to tweet this. I'm going to actually have to do this after we record it. Jason Tatum is in year four, and he's 22 years old. Sam Merrill is a rookie for the Milwaukee Bucks. A very good one, mind you. Rookie. He's 24. Jason Tatum has been in the league for four years, and he's two years younger than a rookie. Yeah. Is that not? That's insanity. Um. Matthew, what have you noticed from the uh, from the preseason? I'm sorry, not the preseason, the regular season so far. It's pure chaos, and I kind of like it. There's plenty of frustration. Uh, you think of somebody like Jeremy Grant was, I think, the biggest splash in the offseason. I don't know if I can get away with like describing that. Do stuff. you mean contractually? Name and contractually. I mean, I think in both ways. Like That was like the, oh, yeah, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, both are true. Yeah. Um, I have been just as frustrated with him as I have been impressed and like pleased with. Um, a, a lot of people are really happy with what Jeremy Grant has been doing. So I'm, we're coming. People came around pretty quick. He last night was a good example of the first half. He starts the game really bad, like two of twelve. Really picked it up in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter. Yeah. One, even you um, think back to like the Cavs game where he just had like he literally had the Jr. moment with LeBron in the finals, and where he just didn't shoot. Oh, for just forgot just the shot shoot. clock? Yeah. yeah, that it existed. So he does something like that, but then through overtime, uh, he like he kind of sh- showed out. So like, I do think a lot of the issues with this team are still just them not meshing because they don't they haven't had a ton of time together. So I'm not like upset with anybody. I'm not expecting us to be four and zero by any means. So uh, it's a very long winded way of where I'm at with Jeremy Grant. Josh Jackson has been awesome to watch he is kind of just as reckless as jeremy grant which was expected but he's he's balling out but the difference is he's what i i worded this the other day and i was like good job that's actually i could not have worded that better myself even though i'm the one that said it the efficiency is finally matching the confidence perfect yeah right like that's like you hear that the way that he's playing I it's different, but with the um, like I told you, I told you how yeah. funny he was to watch the way that he just somehow finds his way to the rim with zero control of his body. But the shots are going yeah. in like he had one last night. The dude's like twirling. He did like eight three sixties around the basket, just kind of threw it over his head. The ball went in and I, I'm watching Josh Jackson he's against um uh, Atlanta, right? He and Jeremy Grant combined for what fifty four and ten, just over fifty percent from the field. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. amazing. It, the way that Josh Jackson's playing it, you know, we talk about oh, killing Hayes, rookie of the year. Mm, I don't know about that, but there is a world where if Josh Jackson ends this year with a you know an eighteen and seven, forty nine percent from the field, like the guy could win Most Improved. Yeah. And then you look at it like, we got it for another year too, right? 
I don't know. And and oh my gosh, I'm so tired of it. And I'm not. I don't want to be mean to anybody, but the guy he probably doesn't listen to the show. If you do, I apologize, dude. What are the odds that uh, Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson are, are 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 still here after the deadline? And I was like, I. What do you mean? They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, what if we get offered two firsts for one of them? I'm sorry. If we get, and this isn't a visual podcast, but Matthew's face is, is his his gast is flabbered. I'm like, brother, I don't know how to tell you this. That's not happening. Well, what if they play really well? I go, listen, here's my thing, because people are already starting to talk about if Josh Jackson keeps this up, what can we get for him? What do you mean, what can we get for him? What is the point? What is the point of a rebuild if you take flyers on guys and then immediately move them for assets? Assets that you're trying to get to find players like we just found or are still finding with Josh Jackson. And at the drop of a hat, they give you 17 and 7 for 40 games, and now we want to trade them. What's the well, point? I don't know why people act like the NBA is completely night and day different from the NFL when it comes to a rebuild. The NFL, when it comes to tanking, and I've come around on this a ton, like, like, I'll, like again, night and day. When it comes to tanking, you are not tanking in the NFL. You are not good when you are losing. The Jets, not good. Yeah, they've won a few games. The Jaguars have won once. It was the first week. It was week one. They won. You are not ever, never in a million years, one player away in the NFL. If you get the number one overall draft pick this year, it's going to be the Jaguars. They're I mean, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. They're not yes. They're not going to the Super Bowl next year. They're probably not going to the playoffs next year. That's not how it works in the NFL. You have 11 players on offense. You have 11 players on defense. You have 11 players on special teams. It takes so much work and so much time to put together a full, competent team to be successful. It, it still might take you, think of like the Miami Dolphins. It's taken two, three years for them to get to where they are now, where they have, I think they're 10 wins now. That still takes a little while. Yeah, the Dolphins are solid this year. Did not know yeah. they had 10 wins. So it does take time in the NFL. It takes the right coach. It takes the right culture. It takes the right, literally everything. When you think about the NBA, it does take just one player. That's it. When you talk about tanking, again, you you never want to lose. You aren't guaranteed anything in professional sports. So when you think about an NFL player being like, no, I get to do this for like, if I'm lucky, a decade, maybe like seven years or something. And I think I think the average is way less than that for the lifespan for an NFL player. Your job is not the lifespan. Yes. <laughs> in the league, at least. <laughs> Your job is on the line. If you are not winning, if you are not performing, you do not get to play. You are playing for a contract. So if the time your contract is up, you can't be like, well, we weren't trying to win. Like we were we were underperforming on purpose and stuff. Well, it's like, okay, well, nobody's going to sign you then. Players want to win. And in this goes across any sport too. Winning isn't always just about talent. There is like a culture to it. So when you are winning, you like you have to learn how to win to win. It's not just 100% talent. You can have all the talent in the world. You think again about like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Probably, they, it's been said a million times, probably the most talented roster in the NFL, but they can't get it together. 
because they all have to be on the same page. They all have to make things work and they have to win together to understand how to win together to move forward. So you think about the NBA. You do have to develop guys. I don't even remember where I was going with this for the NBA. But when it comes to, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But just just like, this is where I was going with the Josh Jackson thing. You can turn this thing around in like literally a year. You still want to win. And the Pistons, I'm not saying specifically, Nick made a disgusted face at me for a second. The Pistons may or may not be like one player away. But you think about someone like Josh Jackson, he's 22, 23. He might be 24. He is 23. He's 23. He can be a part of our future. By the time like his contract is up, he can just be like a full-fledged piece of this roster. Like you don't have to trade him away for an asset in 2026. You can just keep him and win with like the guys you have. You it's just it's it's mind-boggling. It's wild. I can't believe we're saying this about Josh Jackson. I, I truly can't. That you know, some of the things that are coming out of our mouths, you know, I, you realize they're about Josh Jackson. I cannot believe it. And people are like, well, he was the number one recruit in the country at one point. Brother, that was five years ago. A lot has happened since then. Are we perf- purposefully ignoring the last four years of basketball that Josh Jackson has played just because he's played a really good two weeks for Detroit? He was terrible in Phoenix. He didn't do anything in Memphis, but he was really good in the G League. Like, the guy was playing himself out of the league. And I'm watching him now, and, like, here's what I'll say about him. Two things. One, it's, it's, well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know which point to start with. One, the guy doesn't, he's such a ball hog. But it's fine because he's scoring so much that I'm like, dude, it's fine. Also, and this is the second point, because when he does pass, they are horrible. Like he does it like he's closing his eyes and just throwing it in. Like they're just terrible. It's almost always a turnover. His outlet passes are terrible. His entry passes especially are terrible. So I'm just like, dude, you score really well. It's okay if you just stick to that. If you're going to give us if you're going to end a game with, you know, 20 points and one assist, that's fine because you probably shot, you know, 60% from the field. Cool. So that's been really fun. Jeremy Grant thing has been working out really well. Little update in the Motown Noah best friend of the night standing so far. Any predictions, Matthew? I don't know if you've been paying attention. Like who will take the crown at the end of the season? Well, we've played four games. So who's, what are the four? I would be shocked if it wasn't Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant both twice. That's it. That's it. It's two to two right now. Yeah. That's it. And that bums me out. I wish <laughs> other people were doing things. Uh, the Sfee thing still isn't. He's, he's so getting bizarre. so close. I'm not mad, though. I keep saying this. I think I said it last week. He could put up a million shots, and it's just he could miss them all. And I'm like, but he'll start making them, though. And I know he will. That's what I really like about a lot of guys on this team. We've already talked about what Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson are doing with. Uh, I don't have another way to describe it other than just chaos that's working out. With a lot of these young guys, and Sfi especially, we're still seeing them take a lot of really good, uh, not even just shots, but opportunities that we want them to. So like Killian, his shot is just not falling. But he's taking shots that I'd like to see him take. He's creating a ton. Yeah, I agree with that. He's creating a ton of separation on his shots. 
Um, Covers a lot of ground with his side steps and his step backs. His and, footwork is yeah, he, he, very similar to James Harden's. He's just very light on his feet. Um, like I said, just the way that he quickly creates the separation is very impressive, especially at his age with his experience and everything. Um, I don't know. I, I just like a lot of the shots that our guys are taking. And like I said, even if it's not a pure shot, just the looks that they're trying to create, there is something there. It's not like it's going to just flip like they're not just going to flip a switch and just by the end of the season, like make a playoff run or anything, but you can see that the pieces are there. Um, the glue is like on the table. They just have to like open the can and just like, you know, use the glue. To yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's look, it's great to you. You're a lot more optimistic than I am. Like truly one I'm of my, one of the things that like for of... this year, like I do like, it's going to take a little while, but I like a lot of the pieces that are available here. Yeah. It just gets annoying. I mean, look, I can't do this night tonight thing anymore with people. I just look the Cleveland game. I was even angry. Like uh, no, I agreed. was irate. Yes. I go through four quarters and I had the same. I mean, just like monotone recap prepared. Like, what do you want me to say? Overtime ends, and then I'm forced to watch two overtimes, and I'm just at that point. If it if it ended, if we lost after four, I don't care. It was the fact that it went double overtimes. So I had to sit through it. That I, I it sent me over the edge. So I lost my composure for ver- for uh, uh, several different reasons. But like this whole oh my gosh, Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, like look, you want them traded? I get it. You realize we have to play them to show that they are tradable, right? Teams need to see that Blake is healthy and that he can do what they would need him to do if they acquire him. They need to see that Derrick Rose is still Derrick Rose, which for a majority of the season, he has not been. That's where, if we get to the trade deadline and somehow we move off of both of them, the rest of the season is smooth sailing and nobody's going to say a word. But it's because of nights like that, that nights like I just mentioned can actually happen. And you know what ended up happening, Matthew? We go down to Atlanta, and Blake and Derek are sitting. Didn't hear a complaint that whole night. You know why? Because people got what they wanted. If you just wait, and I said this too, it would have been so easy against Atlanta with no Blake and no Derek and no Jaleel Okafor to play Rodney Magruder and Wayne Ellington a combined 50 minutes. He could have done that. And he didn't. I'm at a point where it's like, what do you want me to say? You want me to talk about, oh my gosh, Isaiah Stewart's energy. The same thing that everybody says every time he puts a hand up in the air and redirects a board. Or like, oh my gosh, Sadiq Bay, Really, really good two possessions there. Killian Hayes covers so much ground. Svi, he'll get it to fall eventually. We're saying the same things over and over again, and it's going to be like that all year. And I'm That's just already where exhausted. I think my mentality is healthy. That's the way to put it. I'm not expecting literally anything this year. We could, we have, is it the first 30 save, first 37 games that the schedule is out? 0 and 37. That's like where yes. my mindset is at. Like, this is, we're not going to win a lot. I, uh, yeah. And I, and I just, I say it every time. We're not being. No, it's funny. We're not going That's to real. win. And I'm not looking for that. Like, the Cavs thing was frustrating because that was 1 billion percent our own fault. We just threw that game away. Like you, stu- you that's that's one of those games where I was talking about before. Like you're not losing that game 
like, okay, we showed that we can win. Now let's just blow the game so that we can lose and our record will like benefit us for a draft pick or whatever. That's not how that works. It would be nice to actually just close one of those games out. And that's where you kind of learn how to do that. And that's where you can like build on something and grow and all that. So that game was just very frustrating. Other than that, like I said, from like a developmental standpoint, I'm not looking for us to just completely flip the switch at some point in this season and make some big run. I just want to see that these guys can play together. They can play well together and we can actually build on something for the future. Speaking of Isaiah Stewart, my favorite thing about him has nothing to do with like when the game is actually being played. Uh, It's when you're kind of in those in-between moments. Somebody's at the free throw line. They're taking their shot. Make or miss, and especially if they have two shots, he is in the paint. The second it is out of his hands, jumps up, gets the rebound, hand to the ref, and gets back in position. Even in those moments, one, you can just tell that he's like a great character guy. He is always the first to help up his teammates. He's always yeah. just, we talked about it before, like high energy. I mean, he darts yes. to the baseline if somebody's on the floor. Yes. Like he so, will, if he sees it, I'm he, not going to say right anything over. different other than that free throw thing than everybody else. He's just a guy that you like to have on your team. Just, just relax with yeah, the I Pistons like this year. Like I understand that it's not fun to be not good. But that's just a mindset thing. Like, I don't know what you're expecting, that you're so frustrated. But exactly to your point, if the end goal is, or the end game, is just to develop our young guys and move on from Blake and Derek, whether it's this season or whatever, like like you said, you got to play them to show that they're worth absorbing for another team. And you want to make them worth as much as possible so that you get a good return out of it too. Like, I don't know. We're four games in. Why would Killian have like the most minutes on the team? Why would Sadiq have started more than he already has? Like, yeah. Oh, and he's been bad too. I'm so glad people, Killian's been bad. And I'm not, people are already, oh, we should have drafted Halliburton. (sighs) No, because Killian, dude, the guy defended, Casey said it too. What can you do against Trey Young, man? I mean, I mean, some of the things he was doing to Killian, he genuinely yeah. was doing his absolute best. He did defend Steph very, very well. I really enjoyed Killian's defense on Steph. I do not like that Killian will dribble his way into the middle of the floor or into complete chaos with no plan whatsoever. I do not like that they keep yeah, using I, him I, off I the ball. That a lot. It's so annoying. I would also like, brother, spot up. If you if the, the step back is cute and I love it, just catch the ball and put it up. He did it against Atlanta for one shot and he made it. Like it was just a catch and shoot. Done. There are a lot of things that he needs to do differently. He's been bad. But the um the Atlanta game was so important. Seven of his eight assists came in that second half. Being able to just settle in and know that, like, if I mess up, it's okay. No one's breathing down my neck. It felt like it was really beneficial for him, and I liked that. I don't know. Then you you think about the draft. Okay, if we have the worst record, or one of the three or four worst records. Yeah, the three worst records. Are we going to be the ones that are fortunate enough to actually get the pick and draft Cade Cunningham. Now, if you're a conspiracist, 
like myself, especially in the NBA, you think of obviously the bent envelope with the Patrick Ewing thing, um, the Derrick Rose draft, the Pelicans getting Zion was one as well. That was a pretty weird conspiracy. Um, which people don't talk about nearly as much as they should. That the how the Pelicans wound up with Zion, real convenient that that whole thing went down. Gil Benson's like, we yeah, we can't re we like we're not going to be able to re up our lease with Smoothie King, so I don't know what's going to happen. Also, Anthony Davis, our franchise player, the guy who makes all our money, wants to go to L.A. Um, we don't know what we're going to do, so we'll probably have to go to Seattle or just the league's going to have to just make us fold. Oh, and then Zion falls into their lap. They win 33 games and Zion falls into their lap. They win the lottery. I just think with Detroit, it's like, okay, what's the incentive there? Well, I don't know, but how much more profitable in our current state are we going to be over the next decade? And with a guy like Jeff Bezos, who at some point could get into the game, right? If the league's like, this pandemic really hurt us. No one's going to have the money to expand. Um, why don't we just relocate? Because it's not going to happen in Sacramento. Gail Benson has since been like, not selling. She said that in like March, I think, or May. Um, Detroit just kind of feels like that if all this stuff with Tom Gores goes down and he has to sell the team, which by the way, he should, he should be forced to sell the team. Shout out to Rod Beard for actually asking him questions about what's going on. That was really good, good, good of him to do that. Um, I just wonder, maybe the league is like, why don't we just give Detroit a little something? That's my two cents. Maybe if we, especially if, dude, you if you go if you go ten and sixty two, <laughs> and they're like third, here you go, here's third, take Evan Mobley and be happy about it. I'm 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 a Bucks fan. That's it. I'm not. If we if that happens and we don't get first, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't like that you say Bezos instead of Bezos. You know what's funny? I said it and I was like, why didn't I say Bezos? I people are very split on that, and I don't. I'm, Who it's cares? Not Bezos. He's a monster. I yeah. I mean that's yeah, but it's, it's Bezos. I don't know. I and that's. I wish I had more to say. I wish I had motivation to do recaps. What do you want me to say? I I just think that people need to relax. I I still think it's a mindset thing. Like if you went into the season with any you we you mentioned it already. We've tried to warn people. Like we're not going to win this year. And it's, it's not my not. fault that you thought Killian was going to And look, we didn't help in that regard. I we just, we all everyone a consensus. Or hype of Killian, there. yeah. It, we everyone did it. We all were just like he's going to start fast. He's going to hit a rookie wall and then he's by the end of the year he's going to show us where he's at. <laughs> Wrong. Um but as far as everything else go, I thought we were very real about it. Um, and I, to be fair, though, I think there is probably a handful of times where we were like, we should probably chill on the Killian stuff. And I think we even talked to James, like, can you talk us down a little bit, weather the expectations? Yeah. I believe that's what the the verbiage that we used. But excuse me. Um, I, I yeah, not, again, it, like we tried to be like people are like, well, Killian's gonna be good. Blake's back. Derek's back. What about a plan? No, I do like the effort from this team a lot. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, like, specifically the Atlanta game. The Atlanta game, I think everybody said this on Twitter, that game was a lot of fun to watch. Win in my book. There was, uh, from start to finish, like, even when we got down, I don't remember exact numbers, but let's say we got down, like, 15, 16, 17 points. We fought right back and made it, like, just a single-digit 
deficit. Yeah, we we uh, were in that early in that fourth quarter. We were down twenty points. We went on a fifteen zero run. That was a game yeah. where like into the third quarter we only had one turnover, yeah. which is insane. That was also the same game where Isaiah Stewart plays eleven minutes and thirty seven seconds. By the end of his time on the floor, he was out rebounding the Atlanta Hawks offensively. Right. He had five. They had four. Uh, what? That and I hate 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 people. Every good person, every good rebounder. Guy looks like Ben Wallace. You see that? Guy looks like Rodman. I hate it. I got to tell you something, though. I watched Isaiah Stewart rebound. The difference is that Ben Wallace was way more coordinated because Isaiah Stewart just gets one hand on that thing and it flings in, in some direction. But I see it. The, the, the tenacity with which he does it and just the sheer force is I'm I'm like I'm like ready to run through a brick wall. I love Isaiah Stewart. I really genuinely do. And like the order of it was like, you know, Killian, then I really like Sadiq, then Isaiah Stewart, and Saban Lee is somewhere, who cares? It's kind of starting to be like, obviously I love Killian. I'd like him to smile though. I'd I would really like for Killian to not look perpetually angry. You say, do you notice that with him? No, but I also haven't like not that specifically, but I also haven't seen him smile. So I guess in theory, Weird. yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I'm about to punch something. People, why isn't Seku playing? It's because he was hurt. Well, next game. Why isn't Seku playing? He was on the injury report. It's because he's hurt. Next game. Why isn't Seku? He's, he's been hurt for three games. And he's been playing in all of them. That's why he's not. I, I just wish people would pay attention. I don't. I, I That has nothing to do with me just, you know, actually really caring and reading everything I can. Just read the injury report. Yeah. That's literally all that it is. You guys are going to give. James Edwards at aneurysm. I'm texting him before, during, and after all these games. Guy's got to calm down. He's going to lose his mind. I'm the one that I, I, he just, he just gets all his frustration out. He, he sends me your tweets. Don't think he doesn't do it. I see all the stuff you guys are saying to him. You're making him just as mad as me, as you're making me. That's all I'll say about that. Stop being mean to James. I got nothing. I mean, yeah, just when it comes to the Pistons, relax I, again i do think we will put our hand up on the killian thing but we also then corrected it ourselves when it comes to the rest of the piston season just be patient i don't know what you're expecting from them this season when it comes to the lions just we got spring just just wait until like march comes around and then we'll start to figure things out with the lions just, just, just fine yeah. uh red wings will start camp Today, like as you're listening to this oh, on the 31st, to Joe Valeno. So the Red Wings will start to have hopefully some more things for us to talk about. I'm very, very, very excited for the Red Wings to be back. Uh, I think January 14th is our first game. I'm, I'm going to go on long Red Wings tangents. I think and hope because I'm really looking forward to them being back. And then Tigers, you're the correspondent there. I got nothing for you. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then when it comes to the Tigers, we already covered it, but like. We don't know what's going on with the MLB as a whole. So we'll see. But we, there, is, there should be a lot of... My guess is the Tigers are going to be the exact same as the Pistons, where it's like they're a lot of fun to watch and you like a lot of like the, the prospects that we have. They're maybe in a more promising situation. Uh, I don't know. It just The Tigers, you mean, are in a more promising situation. Yes. They yeah. should be. We'll see because we're in such a different situation in 2021 than we have been in years prior, but... There was a publication that said they just came out with an article, I think, today or yesterday. It said that we had the second best farm system in baseball. Yes, it was from the MLB. Sure. Yeah. 
Which I knew it, it was. So I, it, know, it, was it wasn't just... even so much that we have the second best farm system. It was who improved their farm system the most gotcha. in 2020, and they put us second. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with the Rays. They were who was uh, first. From what I've seen and heard for the past however long, I think we do have the best farm system. I think we just didn't improve it in 2020 as much as like the Rays did because we already have such a good one that you can only improve it so much. But either way, I I, I like where the Tigers are at, like where the Red Wings are heading. Still don't think that any Detroit sports team is going to be good for the foreseeable future, but there's still something to at least look forward to with these teams. Yeah. So you can really yeah, help absolutely. for at some point. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, happy holidays. The new year is upon us, 2021. Well, uh, I wonder who the first guest is going to be for 2021. What do you think? Who do you think is going to be, Matthew? I don't know. We don't have anything in the works, so I don't know who it's going to be. Probably James. I don't know. Jack Fox, Johnny Kane. Yeah, I was thinking Johnny was on there, too. I I think Zadina is probably a little bit more likely. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, happy new year. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. We will catch you guys in the next one. Shoot.